soup. History does not remember blood. It remembers names. You dress enough for Halloween? No. I might, though. I don't want to, but I might. You guys aren't doing, like, a family thing? I know. That's what I don't want to do. Why not? She's not going to the door. It's for the kid. But she's not going to the door. If we were going to the door, then I'd say yes. She can't walk. That's what I'm saying. So we'll do this, we'll do this next year. Halloween. She's being a chicklet. Oh, that's like cute. The gum? Yeah. No, or she's a, like, or like the costume chicken. was like a shell, and she's being a chicken. A chick. Yeah. Hmm. What are you supposed to dress up as? I'm supposed to be either a farmer or a cow. What about a rooster? I think Elena picked the farmer, so I have to be the cow, and I don't want to do that. I'm not walking around town in a cow costume. Well, you'd you need a, a bull costume because cows I don't are... know. I haven't seen it. So is there like a back to it? I haven't seen it. Yeah. That'll be fun. If you're into sweets, it's low-key a nice holiday. Go around door-to-door, get free treats. Are you kidding? That's how they get you. You act like you're breaking news right now. <laughs> <laughs> I never looked at Halloween like that, though. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, come to think of it, if you like candy, this is such a good holiday for those who like candy. <laughs> like my brother has a serious sweet tooth, and he probably stocks up right now. I have a disgusting sweet tooth. I ended up spending so much money unnecessarily on my costume that I just don't even have fun with and everything. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing like a Batman thing, but like oh, original. No, but it's the one when he's like not in the costume, like when he's on the prowl. He's, What's the difference? It's just a different. I'm not gonna wear a fucking Batman suit, so I got a little creative. So what are you gonna wear, guy? I don't know, but the pants that they said they wore were like $80 on Amazon, and I was like, yeah, fuck it, why not, like a month ago. Jeez. So now I'm stuck into it, but I'm like, I can just wear khakis and return these. That Thrones money's kicking in, huh? No, this was like, literally like two months ago. I'm like, oh man, that'll be a good idea, but I just, look, I just been looking at them every day, because like I haven't worn them and took the tags off. I'm like, that's just like $80 I can get back whenever I want. Do you know the costume he's talking about? Because I don't know what he's talking about at right, all. Right, when Robert Pattinson's not in the Batman costume, when he's got the eyeliner... And he's got the hoodie. What? And, so and you go out as a bum? You going out? Why don't you just get a sweatshirt? It's and creative, pants, guy. Yeah. He's an expensive bum. I mean, they're <laughs> to get like. Yeah, he's a bum. You could have worn a jacket. You could have worn. So you you're not you're not in costume then is what you're saying? You're I'll put tell you what. On? For your audience, not going to be a hit. What do you mean? Who's my audience? Whoever you guys hang out with. I don't care about them. <laughs> I'm in that group. I was well, that's what you do. It you do it for compliments. I was Roy. You're Kent. dressing up for yourself. I was Roy Kent last year. No one even <laughs> wa- knew who I was. I'll give it to Nash. He had a good costume. Right. Two years ago, I'll give it to him. I was a meme. No one knew my, the meme I was. Two you were years that, ago. You were the, the what's his face? The Pattinson. Pattinson meme. thing. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's that was really funny. Yeah. No, but no one. None of my friends got it. No one knew what that was until I had to explain it, and that's the worst. That exactly that what I'm sucks, saying. Your man. audience doesn't understand your costume. I don't care about my audience. You just said you were annoyed that you had to explain it. Well, it's two out of three years I've been Pattinson, so. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Nerd Soup. I am Bo Oliver, joined here today with Aaron the Nerd Soup Monkey and Teddy, and we are back to recap season one of House of the Dragon, the HBO original series, the spinoff from Game of Thrones, which I think a lot of Game of Thrones fans ended up enjoying. Obviously, there was some hesitation, there was some trepidation going into it because of how season eight ended, but the way I've been pitching it to a lot of my friends who have been hesitant to watch is that Game of Thrones is back. And I think we could say that confidently. It was a good season. Some would even say it was a great season. Uh, Had its ups and downs, but way more ups than downs. And uh, I'm excited to just talk about 
how we feel about the season as a whole and take some fan questions because we'll be doing that as well. And we'll let you guys know you can listen to this wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And also follow us on social media at NerdSoup, at BoSoup, at NerdSoupMonkey, and at TeddyNerdSoup. I'm not going to give out Nash's because he's still on episode five. <laughs> at this point, there's got to be a cutoff. disrespect, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's disrespectful. But it's going to appear on screen because I'm too lazy to change <laughs> that. That's just baked in. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. Can't complain. Doing well. Actually, it was pretty... Uh, we already did a cold open. <laughs> <laughs> it's good if it's good. No, it's actually really depressing. But, like, it's pretty funny. Like, okay. you know when you buy a lottery ticket and you think in your head, like, what what's going to happen if you win? Yeah. It's like, if I win this Powerball, like, what am I going to do with the money? I'm going to give yeah. it to my friends, take care of my family, do all that. So I never really buy lottery tickets. I'm like, oh, what the hell? So I bought it, and I started doing that in my head, like, what I would do? And it ended with me, like, just being alone <laughs> with nothing but my money. And just, like, it was really depressing. So everything you wanted to do was just you being alone? No, it was, like, this fantasy in my head, and the end of the fantasy was, like, me in, like, this penthouse by myself with no one around me, just me and my money. It was, like, a depressing end to a movie. So, you think you're Daniel playing you? <laughs> that's basically what it was. And like I, I snapped out of it. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like a normal person would just be like I'm more surprised that you went that deep with it and it wasn't just like a Oh, I had the whole next twenty years planned out with the money. I keep it, but I alienate <laughs> everybody. It changed me. And I was left alone. My friends, they moved on. They said I changed. It was a whole thing. But um see most people would just be like, I'm gonna get a boat. Not me. I hope I lose now. I don't want to win the lottery. I've seen what the future looks like. In your fantasy, yeah. <laughs> but you want me to win because I'll give you a million dollars. I do. I would love if one of you guys won. Oh, yeah. That, if both of you won, both very easily manipulated. Into giving you money? Yes. I would just give yeah, you that money. Would, that would happen. I don't need you would have to manipulate me. There you come. Look at that. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just both called you easily manipulated. <laughs> and I'd still give you money. Right. <laughs> That's it. That was the but end of my manipulation. million dollars. Can you imagine? I don't even want to think. No. No. It's one of those things where it's fun it. to talk about it when you're drunk with your friends. Yeah. You guys got lottery tickets, but it's so it's so unlikely that it is hard for me to ever put myself That's in what like could happen. I got like a penthouse could. in a city. Then I was thinking like, well, all my friends and family are on Long Island, so I'm just going to be alone there. And that's how I spiraled. Um, but whoever wins, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody trying to make friends with you in the city. You're like, Shh, leave me alone. Well, that's another thing. I'm like, oh, I make new friends. Do they like me because of my money or they generally like me? And my whole life is just spiraling. It's like what Larry David says. Do you get offended that women only like you for your money? He says, hell no. Women used to not like me. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know who the women like these days? Damon Targaryen. I was trying to relate it to what we were talking about. Any way possible. <laughs> this is a complete derail. Well, we here. did give him the floor, so. Yeah. Might be more on us. I'll uh, I'll start it off. I'll give my thoughts first because I didn't read the book, so I can, I can give like the probably the common viewer, and then you, because I can't really give the base like how good this show really was. Are you saying you represent the small folk? Yeah, (laughs) no, but I mean I can't compare this show to the book to see how they really did. You know what I mean? I can only go by how I viewed it, watching how they did as a TV show. I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. (laughs) What? It's not, not you at all. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a different like way of. Wait, viewing. what? Are you done? No, I think you're gonna, he was just just starting. Oh. I was thought you were gonna say what you were laughing at. No, 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 no. I was gonna like go off of what you were saying. Oh, I was gonna start the podcast. Oh, uh, so as a TV show, this show was very fun and engaging, and like you said in our spoiler discussion, this show had ten characters that you can attach yourself to. Where every time they were on screen, you like you wanted to watch and hear what they said. 
just with that alone, they did a great job. If you want to give this show a bar to be set at, it went off on Sundays with football, and it was still viewed very highly. So it's a great bar to start at. I was worried about that when football season did start. I think there was two episodes, and then by episode three, that's when week one started. How the ratings would do if the ratings would suffer, and it looks like they were steady. The finale had like 90 million viewers, right? Right. It was the most viewed episode since the Game of Thrones finale which is saying a lot because everybody in the world was watching that Game of Thrones finale. And obviously it's can't expect this show to be as popular as a show that was on its eighth season, but very, very impressive. People still have the appetite for Game of Thrones, no matter how many times people tweet. It's left no cultural impact. Nobody talks about it. Look at the Nielsen ratings, the number one stream show every other month. It's Game of Thrones, the original. And then House of the Dragon will be second or third. So not only do people have an appetite for more Game of Thrones content, they're still rewatching Game of Thrones. Could you imagine if Game of Thrones ended on a high note, what this show would have done? And this show had different showrunners, which I think... It didn't hurt it, but the show just coming out in general kind of hurt it because no one wanted to watch. Not Like you're saying, people were already hesitant to watch it because of how it ended. But it's different showrunners, and they did a great job with this show. No, I think when you talk about the season as a whole, it's hard to not say it's just a massive success for HBO, for Game of Thrones fans, for really everybody. And it's weird. Looking back at it now, it's kind of... Are you viewing it as a whole or like in two parts? Because it kind of felt like just because of the time jumps and the different actors that like... It's almost, it was almost like a two-part season, thinking it about it. It does feel that way. Um, it feels like it's been ages since we watched Millie Alcock and exactly. Emily Carey. As <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's been Allison. longer. It's been, I, feel like, I feel like it's been like a 15-episode series, but it's only been 10. And I think it's because of the time jumps, yeah. and especially the dramatic one in the middle. It does feel like two seasons. And I even said at the time that episode five could have been a season finale. Yeah. Maybe they filled in some episodes, maybe added two or three eight-episode season. But they do have that time jump. And I remember when critics first got the first six episodes, they said that episode six wasn't as strong as the first five. And I think some a lot of people do have, a, have issues with episode six. They love episode eight. And then 9 and 10 were a bit divisive, but I think overall well-received. So, so oh, it really could be seen as two seasons. What episode was six? That's when the fir- you first had the time jump. Okay. That was, was near and Emma Allison as adults. Right. It begins with the childbirthing okay. scene when All she's right. walk- walking to meet Allison. It's weird how we, like... So I feel like Game of Thrones season eight, that was peak just... I don't know, with Twitter, and it was like everybody, season everybody, eight. no, even during season eight, like everybody was watching that on Sundays, and the reactions were instant, and everyone was talking about it throughout the week. This was a little different, and I feel like it's this started with the, maybe during the pandemic with like a lot of streaming, uh, especially with Marvel and Disney, maybe some of the Amazon projects that would drop, what was like Friday morning or whatever, but the immediate reaction wasn't always about the show it was just about like memes reactions and like certain characters and things would be trending um, i loved going on twitter after yeah. the episode it was fucking hilarious and that's like what this felt like just every sunday right after it ended everyone just getting their jokes off or their memes yeah. off and that kind of like stuck with it throughout the week so i think it's definitely capitalizing on people and fans of the show just having fun with it and making it more of an event kind of like yeah what we saw with the original series but for it to come out and be as successful as it is, be as good, I mean, that's, I mean, Warner Brothers is probably thrilled and we're probably going to see them. We are, we're already starting to see more projects within this world spanning different decades or different time periods, different characters. So, I mean, this could be really be seen as the beginning of 
whatever it's going to be in 10 years. Because if this fails, then you can argue that just the whole world and Game of Thrones might have taken a huge hit. So a lot was riding exactly. on this. Can you guys give me, from a 1 to 10, 10 being the best, comparison to the book? Was it on par with the book? Certain changes it- were made, um, big changes, but nothing like story altering i would say like there wasn't an aspect like in game of thrones where you know dorn was completely abolished like there wasn't anything like that or the key points come out of the book that you wanted to see yeah pretty much i mean relationships are different alicent and rhaenyra a big one um some character decisions maybe some character motives but nothing like taking out dorn nothing like taking out um young griff nothing like I, i don't think too world changing that's the only thing i wish i, I wish i read the book before the sh- before i watched the show so i can do the comparison unfortunately i can't because the version we got of viserys on screen was phenomenal and i can only imagine how he was in the book well yeah george well george says that show viserys is better than his oh really well they changed it where in the book viserys is more he's got this issue with gluttony he overeats he doesn't really take care of himself and that's where the health problems stem from so they changed it to where he's got leprosy so that's what's ailing him. So I think that, that, that the was look actually we got on screen of him just wasting away. I guess. Well, in the book, like uh, when they when Aemon gives his speech about his strong nephews, yeah, that happens because Viserys' health he regains some of his health. He's feeling better, so he throws a feast to honor himself. Viserys, <laughs> and <that's> when, <laughs> yeah, and that's when Aemon makes that speech. So okay, so stuff like that. that, that like, that's what I'm that saying. Like, I wish really... I read the book. I would have known that. Like instead, this to me, this was just a feast. The family was together, and they did, and they had a feast. I think the biggest change is probably Rhaenyra and Alicent's relationship, right? And a lot of people don't like that, and they think that is a major change. I don't really see it because I feel like the outcome or like what's going to happen is kind of still going to be the same. But I guess just their dynamic is a little bit different. And I kind of enjoy their dynamic, so. Can you guys kind of say that the visuals were a little better than Lord of the Rings because of what they worked with and how good it was compared to Lord of the Rings' massive budget? <laughs> going straight for the Rings of Power. We right? have to. Right? Kick it while we it's down. I think, no, I think Rings of Power looked so, yeah. a lot better. But in what the regard, visuals, though? Like in the terms visuals. of special effects, ones yeah. and zeros, CGI, yeah. Ones and zero. I mean, some of the shots, I think. Why are we talking about this? No, I'm just saying because <laughs> I want to. I want to highlight how good the show looked. No, Visual, I mean, like the dragons, the shots that they used. I think um, it's always funny because when I don't mean to compare shows, shows and movies with lower budgets, I but feel like <laughs> are oftentimes <laughs> say it better, better, well made or better shot and filmed than these big budget. Uh, projects because they're able to be creative or they have to be creative with things like lighting and right. be uh, take advantage of some practical and in a lot of cases they end up actually looking much better so I think there are some instances with that where they were able to I think film wise able to tell more story with how they uh, visually and I think certain scenes with the shadows and reflections with the dragon fire or other instances where they use uh, different lighting combinations. In that regard, yes, I think you can argue that it's better shot. In terms of just like pure spectacle, I think Rings of Power does yeah. those uh, those scenes a little bit a uh, little bit better because there are certain points where like if you just on a CGI basis that I felt I felt weren't as strong, but. It never bothered me at all. The dragons always looked great, though, and I think if you're gonna, if you, if that was a point they wanted to make. If CGI like. is gonna suck with like some rocks falling, I I can honestly care less. Right. When the when but 
if when the goddamn you, dragon comes on screen, you're using that to see show it. me fucking Vagar or <laughs> um, Caraxes looking awesome, then yeah, I'll take that trade any day of the week. Yeah, I remember people complaining about Syrax. That was the only dragon that got some pushback when it came to the CGI, but for the most part, all the dragons look great. And I said this, I've said this throughout the season, the way they use the dragons as old school movie monsters was so awesome because yeah. even though yeah some of these characters you like them you root for them but they are controlling these weapons of mass destruction and we saw it that they aren't necessarily controlling them so they should be scary they should be this otherworldly presence when a, one of the small folk looks up and sees them and sees a dragon they should be shocked they should they nobody should be used to that and i think they definitely put an emphasis on that in this mm-hmm. season Whereas in Game of Thrones and the later seasons, the dragons were a bit of an afterthought. There's so much emphasis on nobody even believed dragons were ever existed. Nobody thinks they're real. And then they'd show up and they'd be like, oh, wow, that's a dragon. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, but in this show, you know, they've all got dragons. And when Rainies pops out of the floor, they're like, oh, my God, it's a dragon. <laughs> what the fuck? Those are real? <laughs> Wait a minute. We have five of them. So the everything about the dragons yeah. was perfect. It's like I can forgive if they're on a boat and like the background doesn't really mesh well with the foreground and it doesn't really look too convincing, but stuff like that doesn't typically bother me. Um, but yeah, if like you showed um, you know Vagar and you want to convince me that that's a horrifying beast in this world and it looks like shit, then maybe I'll point it out. But it, the, the dragons always just looks beautiful. Any other questions? Supposed to be taking fan questions, not tech questions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Over here hijacking everybody. <laughs> I wonder what the um, the overall sentiment from just fans in general. I, I I haven't really interacted with anyone that was just completely disgusted by it or hated it. No, I haven't seen that. I think some people, like I saw, maybe like they were just it lost them at some point. Starving. But um, I don't think anything was like overtly like this is awful. This was one of the first shows where I got to work one day and four people were talking about it on that Monday. And I thought that was pretty cool. No, it was big. People were talking about it. Like I thought it was pretty cool that I had something to talk about with my coworkers. I always take <laughs> it I always get to the gauge of like when I go play uh either hockey or softball, like what people are talking about, what shows, and everyone was watching House of the Dragon. I don't so, know why. It felt so good hearing positive reviews from it though. Yeah. Like I was so happy that everyone was like was loving it. I feel like just the general population, if they're talking about it, then like I could talk to anyone within our community and be like, oh yeah, we've watched these shows. But whenever like my just regular friends with regular lives who don't consume as much media are talking about something, that's how you yeah. can really know that something has kind of gripped. Starving. You? <laughs> yes. You don't hear that? My stomach is just it's going nuts. <laughs> Caraxes right now. <laughs> you should be like an apple. I know, right? Do you have apples? <laughs> No. Go to the store, get some apples, come back and <laughs> fire up the mics. No, I mean, it should be all right. This Ted keeps giving me dirty looks. No, every time I, I can't not look you when I hear You don't get hungry? It. No, I mean, when I hear it, I can't not look. Control yourself, man. Wait, but you guys didn't give the just the score. I said, I said from 1 to 10, where would you, like, from the show portraying the book, where would you put it? 10 being the best. Like, I think it's adaptation? a hard book to adapt. Yeah. I said this on one of the reviews when they made the time jumps that it is sort of unprecedented to skip so much time, have different actors play these characters. So based on that question, 
it's like a nine or a ten. That's not in terms of quality, but right. it's a very hard story to adapt in live action. It'd be so much easier as an anime. And a lot of these stories that George writes would be better off in animation. But it's difficult because they had to make some changes in order for it to make sense. Like Aaron mentioned with the age gap between Alicent and Rhaenyra, I don't think that would have been as effective if they kept Alicent 15 years older. I think making them the same age and having those first five episodes with them makes the back half of the season so much more emotionally impactful. That's a change that they made. How old is she in the book? She's about 15 years older. She's a true, she's a wicked stepmom archetype. So I would have, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Right. It could have been interesting. And even my idea of maybe stretching out the season of all them, of the younger characters to 10 or eight to 10 episodes. Well, I felt bad for, I felt bad for Rainier having to go through that kind of a, like like losing a best friend. Well, I, felt I, think, there for I think there's something to be said about what works written down versus what works on screen. And then I think that amplifies when you talk about the subjects that you are adapting from written material having to be so... Because it's not like your prototypical written novel. It's from... A lot of the information we're getting is from secondary sources. So, like, not only are you adapting what was on... Uh, in a book to so a lot of stuff you're reading is stories that were told to the people that were reading is also kind of unreliable or it's easy to like go through cliff notes scattered story and be like oh well she was this age and she was this age and then they got into an argument and this is what happened oh that's crazy when you're actually telling that story on screen I feel like some changes may be necessary to grip a visual audience like you said that that was impactful for you you were upset that they're not friends I guess that's why I like Rainier so much yeah. yeah, and it does jump around in the book a lot. Like Damon's War in the Step Zones. In a different timeline, maybe that takes up two to three episodes, and Cragger is more of a presence in the show. But they clean that up in one episode, yeah. in one sequence Not, yeah, at the exactly. very end. <laughs> that was kind of controversial. It's something that I liked. But those are the decisions they decided to make. And I think uh, some people have had this criticism, and it's criticism, I've had as well. There seems to be this mad dash towards the start of the Dance of Dragons. And Aaron's made the point, well, that is the main story when you do read Fire and Blood or you read the novella. Maybe they could have taken more time to get to that point, especially if they want to, I don't want to say stretch it out, but if they're going four seasons, you can take your time. The dance itself is a couple of years. So I, I wonder if now they're going to have to stretch out the story where they're going to have to find some, not necessarily filler, but give these characters certain things to do. Because there are certain characters, it's not even a saying that they're going to die, but their roles become limited. And I think the audience is going to react to some of those roles being limited negatively, saying in their heads, wait, this you know, this is a big star now. This is a Roles are act- limited that we got, people that we got because in Because things season. change. Over the course of a war, yeah. there are certain power players who are no longer power players. So right. developments happen, things change. Well, also when you add more characters too, you know, apparently, Stark, what's his name, Kragon? Craigan. Craigan. Like, apparently this guy, Craigan Stark, is going to be a big player, no? So he's, right. in a, he's in a lot more time on screen, right? So evidently that's going to take away time from people that we've known and liked in this season. Right, and I think that's something that most fans are going to enjoy. Anyway, right. just to be back in Winterfell, and he is an awesome character. Well, just an example. There's going to be more of that happening, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. They're They're definitely going to widen the world here. And Game of Thrones has proven that they can juggle all these different perspectives. So I'm not so worried about that. But without getting into book spoilers, I think it's inevitable that they're going to have to add stuff, add way more than they added this season 
into this story in order to stretch it out. Because I even said on the last, uh, the first podcast we did before the show came out, I was like, I think this could be two seasons if we're really, <laughs> if we're going based on what happens in Fire and Blood. Um, but we're at the beginning now. So one of the questions we had is, where do you think it's going to start? Is there going to be a time jump? No, th- this is it. No more, it's, oh, it's been six months. It's been a year. So you're going to see events play out over the course of, like I said, two years. And I wonder how they're going to fit three seasons of content within those two years. It's going to be interesting. What's the dance? Is it before the, the war or is the war the dance? No, the war is like a... I'm, I'm thinking like, like now, now this is the dance. Like, like Now this is where we negotiate like and maneuver. Status. When Shireen says, the dance of dragons, why is it a dance? They're not no, dancing. I, no, no, I'm thinking dance like you're strategically moving. Okay, no, Not no, like no. The, the dance war. is the, yeah, it's, you know, like, let's dance. Okay. Mm-hmm. But let's fight each other. <laughs> Damn, how I used to say that all the time, Joey and Yu-Gi-Oh. Did he really? Yeah. yeah, he did say yeah, that. He's always going, let's dance. <laughs> I actually watched an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh, the other, like, not the other day, like months ago, but it was just, I'm terrible. Is this when you bought your Halloween costume? I'm terrible with time, man. <laughs> I really have no concept of time. It's getting bad. Now that I think of it, it might have been like last year. Um, <laughs> but it was on Netflix, so I watched a pilot, and I'm like, it's not grabbing me <laughs> like it used to. Um, but I've made this point throughout the season as well. Even though the time jumps could be jarring at times, the acting was always That's what spectacular. saved it. The writing and acting is what saved the time yeah. jumps. So you, many you of these scenes. so brought out of it when the time jump did happen. Right. I mean, you caught yourself wanting to see what happened during the time jump, but what happens after the time jump is still good enough to make you not really care about it. Right, like a, a relationship that I found to be a bit artificial was Corliss and Rainey's, and I think that's because you don't get a lot of time with them. A lot of things happen to them, and then you get like two or three scenes, maybe four scenes that they had together in private where they react to that news. So that doesn't feel as authentic as, say, Viserys and Rhaenyra's relationship, which is so fleshed out. So when you even have that time jump, those scenes, it feels like the same two characters who are just continuing on with this strong relationship that they have. And I think with Allison's kids, even though Aemon has taken the internet by storm, everybody loves Aemon. Wish you could have got more time with them. And the same thing with the Valerian kids. Maybe there was an avenue to spend more time with them if that's how you begin season two, the relationship between Allison and Rhaenyra's kids. Because there's some interesting things in the book uh, about how they grew up as rivals and uh, that there was, you know, they increasingly bitter towards each other as they realize the roles that they're going to play as prince or as king or whatever. So if we're going to get on artificial, I feel like we should have gotten more of Heart of Strong and. Rhaenyra. That's another criticism that I've seen. Because apparently, that's like, she had three kids with the guy. That's a big deal. And Right, there's stories too about how Damon and Lena would visit Rhaenyra, so people were interested in the family dynamics of that. Yeah, and how they the, thought when they saw them together. Yeah, and but once again, you, you look at episode six and the scenes that Harwin has with his children and Rhaenyra, they're so strong, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. But he's very common to kind of develop purpose. (laughs) He's very fatherly. The glances that they share with each other, the way that he's protecting Jace in the courtyard against Kristen. Um, But once again, it feels a a bit rushed. Kristen's going to antagonize Harwin. Harwin's going to lose his cool. And then he gets sent away. And then he's gone. Right. And he became sort of a fan favorite after that episode five. So imagine if that episode five was the end of the season and you lead into a season two where 
Harwin's a main character for three or four episodes, and then you lose him. Uh, so some of that impact is lost, and I think, you know, he just dies in a fire. It is a little goofy. Is he dead now? Yes, no, there's no Harwin conspiracy. He's All fucking right. dead. He, he burnt to a crisp. Honestly, the probably is one Probably, there. yeah. He's no, man- you could find one. <laughs> He's Manserator. He's Manserator, yeah. The can timeline we start, can, can we start up, the Harwin still alive? Harwin is Manserator. You know what? Come to think of it, I think Harwin may be Jack and Hagar. <laughs> you know what? He's a faceless man. They can change their faces. That's true. I've never, yeah. <laughs> you could probably find a million things in the books that can connect the dots for you yeah. in your minds. <laughs> All right, guys, before we get to the second half of this video, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor for today's episode. Let's be honest, we could all use a little more motivation when it comes to working out. So, allow me to introduce you to Fight Camp. Fight Camp is interactive at-home boxing. They bring the best workout in the world into your home and make it fun. Explore thousands of workouts led by expert trainers with decades of experience teaching proper boxing form and technique. Fight Camp has live punch counting stats that motivate you by counting every punch throughout your workout and pushing you to meet your goals each round. As you progress, you'll unlock achievements, and you can go head-to-head against other members, whether they're across the country or across the living room, or in this case, across the podcasting table. I would fuck both of you guys up right now. Okay. Well, in the game or just in general? Both. Hmm. I don't think you have hands been, like that. You're not hitting the bags. I've been hitting the bags. I think like if you hit, yeah, if you make connection, maybe, but speed wise, no. You sure you want to go there? I Remember what happened last time? Yeah, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think I felt like survival at that point. I think that's why I did it. Like, like there was no way I was going to lose to you. No, no, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we'll get the full details about that scuffle in a later podcast, but one of the best things about Fight Camp is that it makes boxing accessible to everyone. No matter what fitness level you're at, what your age is, or what your experience with boxing is, you can do it. And you're going to have a great time, so join the biggest boxing community in the world without leaving your home. Fight Camp packages start at just $99. They even offer some great financing options, so you can get started for as low as $9 a month. To get everything you need, go to fightcamp.com slash nerdsoup to learn more. That's fightcamp.com slash nerdsoup, and you can find that link in our description box below. Well, now we can transition into who threw the best punches in House of the Dragon in terms of acting. You know, let's talk about some of the best performances. Who who do you guys think stood out the most in this season one? Top. It's t- top. It really is fucking stats because, like... Patty. Viserys. Man, I yeah. love myself some Patty Considine like Viserys. I, I like that's not, is that a cop-out? No. Picking Patty? No, no really. Right? I mean, I think it's... I think most people will go to, like... That's, that's a Millie to the show. or Emma. <laughs> or Matt Smith. Matt, I mean, Matt Smith's great as Damon, but, like, I, he didn't wow me in any particular scene or moment. Maybe in his... What? A- and his actions, Matt Smith? Like, what's a moment you're like, oh, no, that's acting? When he was delivering the monologue in the brothel, that was a great moment. Some of the physical yeah, acting no. he did throughout the season in the great, Stepstones episode. He had great moments. Great. Like, I think he was thinking, but like, I don't think he had a moment like Patty did. Or I don't think he had a moment like uh, an emotional I delivery why, the way Emma has or Millie did. I think, why I think he was, was great in his role of Damon, but there really wasn't much. So it's just emotional outbursts? I think That's, why Bo is so jarred uh, right now is because you pretty much just said that he wasn't a good actor. I never said that he wasn't a good actor. I said he didn't have much like. to... When you first said it, it's what it sounded like. One was emotional outburst. Yeah, that helps. But even, um, I think, a lot of the nonverbal facial movements with, like, uh, Emma Darcy or 
uh, Millie Alcock. I think he's just very much Damon in a lot of scenes. He's very stoic and he kind of reacts to certain things, but I don't think there was a moment where I was taken aback by any particular... Now, you're making me try to take the side that he's a bad actor or he's bad in the show. No, no, I'm not saying that, but I do disagree with you because I think even moments when there are glances that he gives that are burned in my memory, the look that he gives when he opens the scroll from the messenger the meme yeah that's an to me that he says so much by saying nothing just the look at it of beast the crap out of the guy right, you never know you can never anticipate him uh he, he's so unpredictable and i think he captured a lot of that through his performance very well yeah i think he was really just good the, I'm just, i mean, I, I love that scene with him if you're him comparing him to i guess other like, like even the first episode or second episode when he banishes him even resiphons i think like save you from had more to do otto hightower okay <laughs> I, d- I disagree. They had more moments to... He's had one range, or maybe, like, I don't think it was... I don't think he had to go to different places for Damon as much but as Otto other Hightower characters just did. says things, and then he gets a little angry all, all season. Yeah, but he gets angry really good. <laughs> well, okay. But, like, in terms of... I think Patty, you got to see just uh, such a wide range of not even emotion, just physical performance, and obviously because his character... And his sickness takes takes such a toll on him. So you see, very he, he very much portrays this characters cool. as yeah, somebody you know. who you're seeing throughout different stages of their lives in different emotional moments, different physical battles. So you believe that he was like withering away. Besides, yeah. like this, like the the makeup and everything, you believe like how he acted that he was dying on screen. Yeah, he did nail every stage of this character's <laughs> life. He would be my number one without a doubt you always hear talk about Paddy Considine that he's one of the best actors working today but he hasn't been in a major movie or a major television show where he gets to really show off his talents so it's awesome for his career he was good in the um the uh what's the adaptation I can now I can't even think of the author it was on HBO like a year or two ago you know what's like Stephen King HBO limited series the Jason Bateman yep yeah uh he was in it Mm mhm no shit uh, you know what I love about this series is that no matter what happens with Thrones now is like we have Patty Considine's Viserys no matter how bad it gets <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you can fall back on can always look back. I mean <laughs> his episode 8 performance a lot of people I think that's why they consider episode 8 to be the best of the season it's because of that scene and it's so well written but his performance in those moments is so strong even though he is so weak the way that he he's able to episode. say that again I think he talked the entire episode like he acted the entire episode Right, no, he there was in were, almost every scene. There was a lot for him to do, <laughs> and when he's bedridden, so his voice is so weak, and he's struggling to even get out the words. You you watch him, and you think this is a dying man. So he portrayed that very convincingly, and then when he has to muster up that strength, you can see it's taking everything out of him. But it's the love that he has for Rhaenyra that he's able to sit the th- throne, make his threats, hold court. So many different aspects of this man's life, and. Uh, he didn't miss in any episode, uh, no. in any scene. No one really did. I think, I mean, Olivia Cook was fantastic. I think even when you talk about just supporting or not as big of roles, um, Fabian Frankel as Kristen Cole, I think he was really good at portraying someone you think you might be able to like and get behind and then very good at playing an insufferable douchebag. <laughs> um, even like Sonoya uh, Mizuno as like Missaria, I think might be the most outward like easiest performance to point to is like all right that's not great but it's like i know she's a good actor so it was like she was putting the bits but it was more of just the way they designed that character to fit her was a little weird but other than that i don't think any yeah that's like uh tebow and shotgun 
Ronald Just Tebow at quarterback. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's put him at tight end. <laughs> yeah, she got she definitely got a bad rap with that. I mean, Millie Alcock, too. You know who was really good? I, uh, I can't think of the name. But the actress who played uh, Emma in the first episode, like, really good role in that moment, very effective. So they did a good job of developing this cast. I think we're going to see years down the road, and luck has something to do with it. Hopefully she gets good roles. But Millie Alcock's going to be the breakout star coming out of this show. You already see it with her social media presence. She probably gained the most followers after this season. And so many people have been fan casting her in different roles. You see her now in fashion shows. And it was a sort of rags to riches story because she was washing dishes. She was living essentially in a closet before she got this casting. She was just one of those. She did sort of blow me away during those first five episodes for how charming and how charismatic she was. You think that's like in the grand scheme of things? Was her agent. The best (laughs) outcome for her? Because you see all the... Yeah, like, what do you get, six you, episodes? You don't here? see all the time, but like you do see people who take... Like, I mean, look at Amelia Clark. Look at Kid Harrington. Actually, now he's kind of in Marvel now, but... I mean, Maisie Williams, Sophie Turner, just like... Richard oh, Madden. The original cast. Yeah, Richard Madden. They're never going to reach that stardom again. Or that, that have that prominence in pop culture. It's hard to do. So she's just there for six months. Now she's can free to do whatever she wants and establish herself in other ways. Right. And not be so close, closely tied to House of the Dragon. Even though that's where people will be like, she got that, she got to start there. I, I think while this is going on for four or five years, six years maybe, with depending on how long each season takes to make, she could be just getting opportunities elsewhere. I was going to compare it to Momoa. He's only in season one. Right. He's probably the biggest star to come out of Game of Thrones. But he claims that first season didn't really help him get roles. Oh, it really. You telling me that's not his Aquaman audition? I think it established him as like a big fierce, and I, I think that's the direction they wanted to go with Aquaman. So like, oh, right? A- but look at his filmography after that first season of Game of Thrones. He didn't do much of. Yeah. It definitely put him on the map. I think that this could be way more of a springboard for her. But it. it Depends if she gets lucky, like, if she gets the right roles. It's so weird because, like, Lena Headey and Nicolaj Castrovaldo, like, such good actors. Aaron Paul, if you want to, like, get out of this universe, it's like we know they are fucking incredibly talented actors. And they can't get in anything, like, that's good <laughs> or give good performances well, in great what movies. What did Tom Hanks say recently that he's only been in five good movies throughout his career? That's Tom Hanks. Look how much shit that he's made. <laughs> I think I would give him more credit than five, but... Yeah. I think so, too. But we talked about it when we were comparing filmographies, Tom Hanks, and it was somebody else, and we were like, Tom Hanks doesn't even come close. So many of his movies have been absolute shit. It's so tough these days for actors and actresses to find good roles because Hollywood has become so watered down Very with saturated. superhero movies. It's all about how much money can this project make. It's not about talent anymore. Well, I think we talked about it too like a while back ago, but like especially with Aaron Paul's case, like how it's easier to... You can get extremely good at playing Jesse Pinkman, but when you have to do other things, maybe that's when you start to struggle. And I don't think that's the case with him necessarily because I do think he's good in other projects. I think he was really good in Westworld, but... It's kind of hard to, especially when you have like six years of practice to fully nail this character and you see that last season, you're like, oh, he's perfected it. Then to shift gears and do something else. Right. You get worried about being typecast. Ewan McGregor, right? He's one of the best actors ever. What the hell has he done over the last five to 10, 15 years? Not best actor ever, but best one of the best working today. He's in Ray and Raymond. That was pretty good. Ethan Hawke. Okay. (laughs) 
I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's one of those movies I saw because it was at the festival that I don't think anyone. I'll I'll never have to bring it up again. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. But no one's going to see it. Matters. Oh, that goes to our point, man. You come out in some of these movies and nobody gives a shit anymore. I think Millie Alcock, there's just she's got that star quality to her, where you watch her on screen and she commands the your attention every time, no How matter who she, she's sharing a scene with. She's young, right? She's pretty young. 24? I think early twenties. Yeah, maybe mid twenties. No, so she's got a lot going then. And even Emily Carey, man. Emily Carey's, I think, 19. Yeah. She was great as young Allison. And the transition between her and Olivia Cook, we commented on the casting, was seamless. Oh, absolutely. Well, even some of the stills with Rhaenyra as Emily, uh, as Emma and Millie, like the casting was perfect. Yeah. And I think it helps a lot with that jump uh, for me that I don't look at it as like, oh, I wish Millie was still around. I wish Emily was still around. Like, I, I appreciate their performances and I like them, but like with Emma and Olivia, it's like, wow, I like these, I like them just as much as I did uh, the younger versions. So there's nothing like in my mind, it's like, oh, I wish they kept them around. It's like, no, well, now we got two different great portrayals. What made this show so good too was, I feel like in Game of Thrones, it was a lot of action scenes, fighting, that really caught you and kept you coming to the next episode. This one, there was one fight scene, we talked about it earlier, and it was done in a quarter of the episode. This season was all dialogue, all politicking, and you would sit there waiting to see what happened next with this family. Yeah, some people... This family died from within, and it's very sad to watch. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, it's more of a Shakespearean tragedy than it is a fantasy epic. Some people throughout the season would message us, I'm getting bored with this. And in my mind, I loved it because I thought every scene just got better than the last one. A lot of the talking, the dramatics. So I didn't find it to be slow in that regard. Well, that's how you know it's like strong, like written wise. And I think... What? I was going full abuela mode. <laughs> <Are you> kidding? That was a lot, yeah. Um, well, that's what I think... Uh, it's a good indicator of the story being strong and the way they kind of captured the politics and the very dialogue heavy moments as impactful and entertaining because even comparing it to game of thrones when you needed a hard home to kind of save you in that season or you needed a moment like the spoils of war where by the end of the the show it seemed like those were the only moments that made you go wow and like fully had you invested where in the earlier seasons it's a fucking trial it's a wedding it's a conversation being had in the the small council meeting you know it's deciding what's the best route to take when it comes to the situation and all the circumstances surrounding it it's you know peter dinklage as Tyrion just carrying a scene but nothing but his voice so those earlier scenes obviously they still had some of those bigger moments but most of the time it was being driven by that and i think this show did a good job of using that as a as a driver to my point with there wasn't a lot of scenes that like really like wowed you and like freaked you out not freaked you out but like made you want to come back like an action scene the scene the white wedding where all that shit happened i think the worst part of that wedding was after it with what happened and that's what made me say wow not what happened in the wedding the craziness that happened no even what happened after that she was forced to marry and everything and uh viserys going down the body still being there being ate by rats that made me say jesus well i think even with when you talked about rainy's that moment she had at the episode at the end of episode nine that was a cool moment i was like fucking like whoa what the hell's going on but looking back on it i think the best 
part of that episode is everything surrounding the whole coronation and that moment yeah. with Aegon coming up and taking the crown and what the ramifications of those actions are. So there's, I mean, there's different ways to um, be effective and you can use action sequences, big surprise moments and just simple um, dialogue or even visually. I mean, half of that, most of that scene is just him walking through the people and the imagery there and him kind of gaining his confidence, accepting that role. It was all very well done. Where would you rank this episode nine compared to all of Game of Thrones? Was this up there or no? Well, it's hard to compare it to your traditional episode Middle nine pack. because this is it feels more like a dual finale. Yeah, right. where nine okay. and ten run so close together, so it's not the events of nine happen and then everyone so like sort eight, of reacts nine? to it. The big, I the think so. The well, king died. I, I think we're just <laughs> we we're expecting the penultimate to be this big epic moment, but it doesn't look like that's how it's going to go down. Yeah. That was something that was cool for Game of Thrones because that's how, sort of how the books played out as well. They would have this big event, and then everything would cool off, and characters, and... I mean, I enjoyed Episode Nine more than most people. People, A lot of people didn't like Episode Nine. Not a lot of people, but in terms of the criticisms, I think 6 and 9, you heard a lot nice. of the negative reactions. Um, uh, and Episode 10, I don't know, maybe I was the most critical of Episode 10, but I still think it was a really strong finale for the show. What do you think, like, um, for the season? potential, like, nominations-wise... I think I think it will get like best drama. Um, Definitely Matt Smith. Who's leading? Any leads, or is he going to go the same Game of Thrones supporting route? Probably supporting. Yeah. So you'd imagine they would get maybe one for each category, or maybe even two. So you think like Patty Considine for supporting? Supporting? Really? Yeah. There's no traditional lead. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That's how it used he to was be in Game the, of Thrones. He was in it a lot though, enough to be a lead. No. Well, it's also easier to win supporting. <laughs> All right. It's always easier. See Austin Butler. Uh, never mind. That's fake. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to ask you guys. Fins, I think, would be there, too. I don't, I don't see Matt Smith getting nominated. Maybe if he had more to do. Um. <laughs> it is so funny that you're saying Otto had so much more to do. He's literally just giving the same speeches throughout the whole season, and he occasionally amps it up. <laughs> There's more. When there was more at stake, his voice got a little more... Uh, Deeper and softer. That's, that's talent, right? That there. is yeah. a talent. That was yeah. skillful. <laughs> um, but even, um, I, I wonder, like, can you nom? It would be it would be funny if they nominated, uh, or for your consideration, like Millie and Emma, or Emily and Olivia for the same role. Right. I wonder how they're going to split that up, or even if they're... I guess you could do Olivia Cook and Emma Darcy as leads, right? Or not even, like... A genuine question. Like, I just don't know. Someone who is non-binary, where do you categorize them in terms of award nominations? Has there ever been a... a s- no, that's something that they'll yeah. have to um, address if they do consider Emma. But I also think that Millie Alcock's performance ended up being better because she just had more to work with. I think the character definitely changed a bit, and that's one of the changes that they did make from the book. It's not... I mean, there are certain things that you can point to, but... I think some of the fire was taken out of that character. For me, it would be Patty, Millie Alcock, and then Matt Smith would be my top three. Actually, that's one thing I wanted to bring up. Actually, it has nothing to do with what we just talked about, but that's one way I can get into the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys think if Aegon the Conqueror named his daughter, I don't know if he had one or if he had a daughter, do you think if he named his daughter heir that anyone would go against what he said or that they would even try and do a usurpation? Because I think Viserys being so... Usurption. But, you, what did I say? <laughs> Usurption is what I said. 
That may be the word. I think it is. Because I was thinking the exact same thing as you, but then I didn't. I kept my mouth shut because my head could be that. right. With Viserys being as big of a pushover as he has, I think that's the reason why people don't even care what he says. Well, it's um, also breaking with tradition, but yeah. Aegon did if, have... If Aegon does that, you think people wouldn't go against Aegon from what he did? Well, Aegon, I think there was also there was a, no respect for Viserys all season. There was also... I think <laughs> for he 25 ma- years. They made it a point of emphasis to, like, try... I think even Rhaenyra says it to Jason Luke before they leave to make him swear on a seven, something about, like, if we want to rule these people, we need to... Uh, I forget the exact line, but pretty much what she's saying is we need to adapt to the people we rule or show that we can be on the same page here. And that's why they kind of swear on the seven and do some of the Westerosi traditions. Mm -hmm. So I think regardless, they made, Aegon would have made an attempt and would have made an attempt to kind of adhere by their customs But look at what had to happen for Viserys to name Rhaenyra heir. Rhaenyra was already 14 years old. She clearly demonstrated that she was ready for it even though she's had her struggles, but everybody does. And he he killed his wife trying to just get a male heir. He forced that woman how many times was she uh, pregnant? I think it was four or five times. And she says this is going to be the last one, and then she ends up losing her life. Mm. So he had to go through, and she had to go through, all these traumatic events for him to even consider it. And he says that's one of his regrets, just not naming her to begin with, and then... Emma probably wouldn't have lost her life. So the it just he was backed into a corner. So Aegon didn't have that issue because he had yeah. all these different sons to succeed him. I'm saying king king was like I feel like Aegon nobody would have and you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. But Viserys had dragons. I think what uh, what ended up leading to people opposing Rhaenyra was the fact that he had other kids with this other woman. Right. So he kind of fucked himself over. It's a classic shooting yourself in the foot. Rhaenyra's heir, but I'm going to have three other sons yeah. with Alicent Hightower. But I think it, like, also, like, if Magar, like, that's just someone you don't... Okay, you want that to happen, fine. But who's opposing Viserys? Don't kill me. It's his own family. But, like, I... It's I, a family I, issue. That's true, Yeah, too. but that's I think true, they too. feel like they can oppose him because they don't fear for... They don't fear him. They don't fear... Yeah. He's a pushover. <laughs> I'm saying if he wasn't a pushover, then, no, this wouldn't Maybe. be happening. It said, if he married the other, if he married the Valerian girl, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah, very true. <laughs> Do you see the? It's uh, a bad call. A terrible decision. <laughs> the Otto versus Tywin argument or debate. Otto, right? Yeah, Who's Otto more was. cunning? <laughs> oh my goodness! See, that's why. What's about cunning? We're we're so obsessed with comparing it to the original Tywin Game of Thrones. Oh. People need to realize that's George's baby. Fire and Blood was written by George. I'm putting up air quotes with help. That's more air quotes for you. So it's not as fleshed out, and it's not as well-written. It just isn't. It's not the A Song yeah. of Ice and Fire story. So who's more cunning? I mean, none of these characters can really compete with the Game of Thrones, their Game of Thrones counterparts. It's fucking Tywin, man. You can write the way they're written in the shows, but um, yeah, Tywin is like... I can get the argument Otto being more like basically all of his success is due to his maneuvering, where Tywin wouldn't be afraid to wipe out your entire family. And is that cunning? I think I think that uh, like it's cunning in the fact that you know you can fucking kill a whole fucking house. It's, and di- it's have diabolical. A song not about you and then diabolical, kill a whole... not cutting. Yeah, <laughs> but like grizzly, right? I guess that's an interesting <laughs> point. But I think there's still cunning involved in orchestrating events, knowing that you can use your criminal. force when you need to. Oh, it's very criminal. <laughs> Both of these men are criminals. <laughs> the hell was that? 
Toad? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, like, is it cunning to have your monster of a... Oh my god! What, what, kill two babies and lay it at the feet of King Robert? Maybe not in a traditional sense, but to kind of use that as a as a way to gain favor. Yeah, that's a little, I guess, cunning. I thought you were going to bring up Rainius killing the uh, lower class. What do you mean lower class? Oh, the the dirt, the poop people. <laughs> we need to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You guys want to move to fan questions? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we've got Don't a lot of fan questions to pick from. So we've got some on Twitter. We've got some on IG. Some really good ones. What'd you say, Ted? You said don't pick any hard ones. I won't pick any hard ones. <laughs> Not for you. Uh, but before we get to fan questions. The I year wanna... 82 BC. What? Who led <laughs> house? <laughs> I like how they call it BC. All right. Well, before we take these questions, Ted, we won't take... Too many hard ones for you. I want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Smile Brilliant. If you're like me, you're confused by all the variations of teeth whitening on the market. Items like LED lights, whitening strips, charcoal, and whitening toothpaste might sound good in theory, but they don't fully get the job done, like Smile Brilliant's custom-fitted whitening trays. LED lights will accelerate the process, but they won't make your teeth whiter, and could lead to more teeth sensitivity. Whitening strips totally neglect gum lines, crevices, and molars. They work, but your remaining stains will become more prominent. Charcoal is abrasive and wears down the enamel, while whitening toothpaste only works on surface stains. But with one of Smile Brilliant's custom-fitted whitening trays, you can brighten your smile without worrying about damaging your teeth or leaving behind any noticeable stains. Historically, whitening trays were only dispensed by dentists at a price of $300 to $1,000. That's a lot of money. But that all changed when Smile Brilliant came up with their innovative Lab Direct process that is not only less expensive, but more effective in achieving the picture-perfect smile we all crave. And right now, you can visit smilebrilliant.com by visiting the link in our description box below and use promo code NERDSOUP to save 20% off all products, including their custom-fitted teeth whitening trays or custom-fitted night guards. If you're someone like me who struggles with grinding in your sleep, using a night guard at night has really released a lot of that tension that I've been building up. My jaw feels so much better. Gotta take care of it, you know? This is my job. I have to speak. So that involves taking care of your teeth. They also have a great selection of professional oral care products, such as electric toothbrushes, water flosser, dental probiotics, and much more. And remember, that's promo code NERDSOUP for 20% off all products. So don't wait. Click that link and take care of your teeth. It's very important. Where's my smile brilliant? (laughs) Knocking you up? Where's my smile brilliant? You want a night guard? I don't know. Are we getting anything from them? That's for the fan to decide. Yay! People, you call up to the show, you better be ready. That's what you're supposed to do. Sitting there arguing and trying to spell your name and all of this other stuff. It's not your show. It's my show. I'm giving you the, the opportunity to speak your mind. Don't call up here unless you got something to say. All right, this question here from Valio. Who would you like to cast as Craig and Stark? I mean, so the obvious the, answer is Henry Cavill, right? Right, he's too old. And I oh, think that's man. we all kind of got our got ahead of ourselves that Craig is similar age to Jace, so he would just be too old. Although it I could have, be funny if they just had this big ass man like, yeah, I'm 20. Perfect. I have the perfect answer. Chalamet. Oh, no, 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 that's no, a terrible no, no, answer. No, 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 no. Why? Craig is not handsome. He's American. No, no. No. Who? Yeah, Craig? it needs, it needs to at least. You tell me Chalamet can't. No, you do have to go American unknown. Action? You have to go unknown, like with uh, Jace. Not unknown. Well, I don't fucking know unknown. What do you want me to do? No, I think, but I think that's <laughs> the choice. 
Yeah. Is that you get somebody who the audience isn't familiar with, and I think there'll be a big oh, casting call. Who's a young <laughs> I jumped the gun. British lad who acts? Exactly. Barry. <laughs> so if you need to get into this age group, it's important that you cast someone who is youthful but also carries a wisdom with them because that's what Craigan is. They talk about Craigan that, yeah, he's a young lord, but when 21. he walks in the room, he commands it. Damn. Yeah. Sort of, uh, you know, he's you had to grow up fast when you're bro. In the that's North. the difference in families, bro. Yeah, the Starks fucking raised the kids, dude. The Targaryens, come on. Yeah, the, the Aegon had you want to sniff the throne. Yeah, no, he didn't know any games. <laughs> and what I'm hearing about Kragen sounds like Superman. Well, what's fun about Kragen is that he isn't your typical Stark. He's got a lot of Stark qualities to him, but he's a bit more intense. He's got a little bit more venom to him. Uh, this question here from Shane. Shane underscore Davidson 5. Was making Allison similar in age to Rhaenyra the best change to the story so far? Hmm. And then kind of a corresponding question for from Foodie, NYC. Favorite change from the books? I think it's the most important change. Or maybe one of them. If we could talk about... Um, like even the laner change like really has no impact. I guess it has an impact on how you perceive Rhaenyra and Daemon, depending on what actually happened in the books, but is there any, maybe I can't think of it right now, but was there any other change that was like, to you, a little, I guess Rainey's coming th- through the way she did? That's a, not a change, it's just an addition, I guess? Right. Or an altering, altering? Yeah, I'm trying to think of any changes, but I, I guess the easy answer would be Rhaenyra and Allison, making them childhood friends and putting them in similar situations where you can you can sympathize more with Allison. And I think at times they have taken away a bit of her agency, so that's a change maybe I don't necessarily love. But I think, like I mentioned in the beginning, the change of Viserys' health issues stemming from a disease, I think that was way more effective than how it's written in the story. That is this progressive disease that's slowly overtaking him and characters know that he's going to die, whether it's a month or a year. That was a a better change for me. And the way they related that to the throne rejecting him throughout his life, that he wasn't supposed to be sitting on it, that it was something that was better reserved for Rainey's. Yeah, and you could talk about character changes in terms of, like you said, Allison maybe um, being more of a victim of the situation than being the catalyst of the situation. Uh, you can go Rhaenyra, maybe not having that much as much fire as her book counterpart at this stage in her life. You can look at Aemond, um, that he want to kill Jace to... It was an accident, so... I don't know. Did the book portray that as not an accident? In or was the there book, hints that I he was he trying to? I think he very much wanted to kill Jace. That's a stupid boy, then. Aemond. Well, Luke. No, Aemond is stupid. No, you said he wanted to kill Jace. Oh, yeah, oh. Luke, 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 Luke. That's, that's, a, that's, that's at least how move. I interpreted it. Even reading it back, like, this week. The he one line they the kept out no? was, uh, say that again? He had to know the consequence, no? If he did want to kill him? I think he's a little bit more un- unhinged in the book. All right. I feel like he has himself more put together in the show. That's a change that I liked. The idea of him losing control of his dragon rather than... He puts himself in a bad spot there. <laughs> and it ends least, up yeah. yeah is Aegon um like I know he's portrayed as not the best fit for a king um but does is he like is there like do, uh documented as like being a like sexual criminal or things like that because if not then I, I, I would I wouldn't like that change yeah you mentioned that on the reviews but is that like in the 
Is that in the any of the source material? I know that they wrote him as very lustful and all the bastards. That's from the book. As sure, well. I he know. Spent a lot that's of time. But like, it. if he's just you know having sex, like that's kind of that's kind of cool. I think that's how it is. Yeah. But if he's obviously he raped the raping people and woman. doing all that, then that's not. And I think that change. Yeah, I talked I talked about it like on the review when it happened. I think that just changes the way you perceive this character to uh, a way where I feel like lines could be a little bit more muddled if he was just uh, you know a guy who just wants to kind of like Robert, you know, just have fun and kind of doesn't want the responsibilities of the throne of the throne. Right, and when they took out the line when Rhaenyra says, "Tell my half brother I'll have my throne or yeah. his head." Or I'll have his crown or his head. It's mm, a badass line. You, they set up Aemon. I mean, they set up Aegon as such a piece of shit. So I think if she would have delivered that line in that moment, you'd be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that rapist, drunken cunt of a king, as Damon likes to right. call him. So it, it is weird that they didn't make the change, or that they made the change to make him so unlikable without making Rhaenyra have a bit more fire. Because a lot of people would be on her side. And I think after what happened to her son and the look that she gives to the camera, people are ready to support whatever like, the fuck she does I don't next think you needed to add that with Aegon to make us root for, for Rhaenyra. To root for Rhaenyra. But like, I think with Aegon, you can also view him as very much more uh, much more sympathetic and kind of along with Alice and like just the situation, just him being thrusted into something that he wants no part of. He also feels forced. But now it's too, like, yeah. well, I don't care what he... You know, it's fuck Aegon, so... Yeah, it could have been more <laughs> fun if they made Alicent a bit more unlikable. Mm. And Aegon was just a victim of that. He's being pushed into it. He doesn't necessarily want it. And then he becomes a dumbass. They should have made her like yeah. Cersei. Yeah. Well, like I said, like, I don't know if that's in the Fire and Blood or anything like that, but if... But then you feel bad no, for it's not, it's not explicit that he's raping women. Okay, so then I, w- I don't think that's a good change. Yeah, but best change, I would go the the ages of the characters. Specifically, Alicent and Rhaenyra. Because those first five episodes were so strong. And I, I keep making this point, I think they could have carried a season by themselves. Uh, this question here from Good Queen Alyssa. After having the season as a whole, do you feel? How do you feel about the pacing overall? For me, it still felt too fast, and I'm not sure what they're going to fill the rest of the story with if they plan on three more seasons. Also, do you think we'll see Lanor again, or is he gone for good? Well, this- to answer the second one, yeah, I think he's. Oh, there's no way you fake a character's death and don't bring him back. That's just a. Especially I don't. I don't. I don't agree. This isn't Marvel. Remember you said that, because when he comes back, you're going to be like, well, we saw it coming. <laughs> it's a timestamp now, so... Yeah, we're going to timestamp the shit out of this. I mean, no, I mean, in, in his head, it's timestamp now, so... <laughs> you know what? You could probably get me on Are anything. Are you saying I do that to you guys? Yes, he's waiting for you to go back on it. No, you, you can get me on anything. My memory of everything we record leaves my head the moment I, I, how I you walk out, it out of here. I don't know just stick in my head. People will message me or, like, or whatever, be like, oh, you said this, this, this in the pod? I'm like, I guess I did. <laughs> Maybe. Um, it's a lot of stream of consciousness when you're recording a podcast. Yeah. So, what was, the, what was the first question? How do you feel about the pacing and uh, how are they going to fill out the story? But Th- I think that's w- something I worried about to start this video. But overall, it was good. But if you go episode by episode in the middle, it obviously slowed down with the time jumps. But I'm excited overall, to just watch good. them all in a row and see how it feels. Right. Mm-hmm. That's something that no one's really had the chance to do. I guess now some people definitely already have. <laughs> 
I don't think the pacing or the time jumps ever really well, affected we'll just, me. Uh, just in case that doesn't add up, yeah. we had to stop for the ice cream man, so we're just getting right back into this question. Okay. <laughs> I was just hoping that Teddy ended what he was saying. Yeah, I did end what I was saying. Okay. I guess. Oh, okay. I think with certain characters, you might notice a difference. Like, I think especially with Luke, uh, if we had more the time with that actor and that character, I think that death, his death would be more impactful. Like you said, it hard went strong. But in terms of how the se- the season is paced. I think we talked about it too, like how much of it can you fill in? I guess uh, maybe one or two more episodes to kind of do it justice and kind of really flesh those characters out. So um, yeah, I I don't know. It never really bothered me, but I think there is an area where you you can point to and be like, this could have been improved upon with either a two-part season or maybe an episode or two put in certain spots, maybe in between five and six and in between seven and eight. Didn't George say you Uh, wanted 13 episodes? I thought I saw something that said that he won 13. Yeah, in a perfect world. Yeah. George always wants every, He wants the most. <laughs> I mean, I want him. I, I'll I take also 13. don't necessarily <laughs> disagree with him with that. But the thing is, when people say, what were we going to do with season one if we had to fill it out? They're going to have to do it with season two, three, and four. It looks like they've run into that problem by racing ahead. I don't think it's confirmed four seasons. I think that's what George wants. It might but not be. Ryan Condal is all like, he wants to explore other shit too. Like, he wants to get into different eras, so... Oh, he different views, stuff within Game of Thrones. He views House of the Dragon as an anthology. Okay. I thought you were saying, like, you know, he wants to do, like, other stuff. No, he just got uh, offered Star Wars. <laughs> I also don't necessarily love that idea, especially if it's under the same banner. I mean, what they've already done with the introduction using the same intro as Game of Thrones, I wasn't a fan of, and I still think it should be the prince that was promised peace. But if you introduce House of the Dragon season four and it's a hundred years into the future and it's totally new characters, people are going to be like, what the fuck just happened? And I guess you can wrap it up and then let people know season four of House of the Dragon, even though all the characters we just spent three, four seasons with are no longer going to be in this well, show. Would be, like, I hope they don't do that. I don't want to see that. Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Blackfire Rebellion. <laughs> right, just make it... Black Fi- I mean, it could be the same showrunner if Condal feels that passionately about it. But if it's going to be House of the Dragon, now we're going back to Aegon. Well, I think it's established itself. After the season, it's going to establish itself as its own name. So I don't think you even need the Game of Thrones moniker anymore when it comes to House of the Dragon. So I could see after this season wraps up, and it's a clean ending uh, in terms of you know it's a finale, like this is the final season, whatever, um, to be like, coming next year, House of the Dragon presents Blackfire Rebellion or Duncan so, Egg or whatever they want to do. So this House of the Dragon isn't leading into Game of Thrones, what we saw? You might be worse that time than I am. With what? Yeah, you and Nash both thinking like, oh, this is going to start with the Jon Snow going to the wall. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no we're legit. Yeah, the last legit like House a of the century. Yeah, I mean, if we get like six seasons, seven seasons, no? Right. No, I guess you can, if if they yeah, take if they the anthology it? approach, yeah, if they skip ahead to the Blackfire Rebellion and then they skip ahead to Robert's Rebellion, sure. Okay. Yeah. Now, the last scene of uh, House of the Dragon is Rhaenyra giving the eggs to Daenerys. It's like, that would be fucking sick. <laughs> it's like 150 years in between. When does Rhaenyra, what Rhaenyra, when does Daenerys get the, the eggs? Episode one of Game of Thrones. Are you telling me you can't lead that into there? That'd be sick. Not... It's been. Not, I know, I know. I'm saying like those eggs getting passed down. Like, but we see those eggs through the show. Yeah, I think that'd that, be sick. That may be something that we do see because the dragon uh, Dreamfire. Well, they say the theory yeah. is that it's Daenerys's dragon's mother. Okay, 
it because could be they look long, they huh? look exactly alike. Um, that could be interesting. Well, what do you guys think? Lenore coming back? Not coming back? No chance. I don't think so. I think that there's an opportunity to bring him back. I, that would be know, cool. I know what you're talking about, but that also doesn't really add up to me. Cause... I just want Rainius to find out that he's alive. That's all I want. I mean, they've changed so much shit at this point. Mm. Not so much, but they could just write it differently. I mean, Lanor is supposed to fucking die, and then they sent him off to was, uh, vacation. <laughs> was the mountain supposed to die, and then they did black magic on him? Is that mm-hmm. in the book? Yeah. That is in the book, yeah. Oh, no, right. He does come back. But they keep it... They don't call him the mountain. What was he called don't they again? call him something different? Yeah, they, they do call him something different in the show. No, well, in the though. book, they kind of make it like, is it the mountain? Oh, I'm kidding. How do it, you... is, it is the mountain. <laughs> yeah, no, it's clearly the mountain. <laughs> Isn't it uh, strong, right? The mountain? He's strong, yeah. <laughs> no, like that's his name. Is it Robert Strong? The mountain has an alias? So you're telling me a mountain puts on glasses and no one knows it's the mountain anymore? <laughs> Yeah, Sir Robert Strong. Ooh. Yeah, they give him uh, glasses. <laughs> like, oh, those are Sir Robert Strong's glasses. The mountain? Oh, they just jacked up uh, Harwin's, Harwin's legacy. I know, right? Jesus. Rest in peace, Harwin. Uh, this question here from Cowboy Stannis. Why do you think they decided to change Rhaenys' hair color? I don't know. Because I don't think... <laughs> hmm. uh, I think, number one, to basically establish her as a Targaryen, just to make it... Even though you can say it in name. Which I don't like. It's no. It really doesn't matter, but it would have been cooler to me if she had the brown hair with, with the, the silver, streak. silver streak. And also, I don't think it's as... Because that could have made the whole yeah. Luke and Jace or Bastards, it could have been more believable that they're sticking to their story. Well, that's what it is in the book, because yeah. obviously Laner is white in the books. So when they have white kids, it's like, oh, that's, that's what white people do. Right, they have white kids. Makes it's sense. the hair. It's the hair that's the point, and maybe some of the features. Um, it's all crapshoot. But though. you point to R- Rainey's and be like, "Oh, well, she has brown hair, so like that's their grandmother. So that was why my kids have brown hair because it passed through that line. So nothing weird going on here. I'm not fucking Harwin Strong. Oh, so it's more believable. Yeah, here oh. it's obviously with you. Tell me, every white on white kid, they have silver hair. <laughs> I mean, the hit rate. What the hell? Look at Allison's children. Seed is strong. Batting a thousand. No, sometimes it doesn't happen. And I don't want to spoil anything about the future, but uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Look at John. I mean, John Snow's father had. Wait, was Viserys messing around? Yeah, true. Rhaegar had silver hair. And, I mean, Ned Stark committed treason on the basis of hair color. Yeah. A lot of bastards running around King's Landing. Uh, this question here from Giselle Yolanda. Oh, well, just to answer Cowboy Stannis' point, it's just <laughs> to have more Targaryens in the show. Oh, look at the, all these silver-haired freaks. People love that shit. Uh, question here from Giselle. Would Henry Cavill be the perfect Hugh Hammer for season two? I like that name. Sounds like a porn name. So we had somebody else ask this, because that, that seems to be the big fan casting now for Henry Cavill, um, that it's not big enough of a role for him to take on. But I don't think, oh, even though Cavill, it's not a main character. It's so? very much a supporting role. But based on the description of the character and what the character actually does, he would be perfect for it. And all those fan arts of him dressed as a Targaryen, well. You know, you don't have to hit a home run every time you're at bat. You can hit a couple singles. But I think that would be good for his career <laughs> you know? if he says, you know what, yeah, I'll take a supporting role in a few seasons of House of the Dragon. Right. Why not? I, I, I can check my ego. Right. Yeah, and then you get to add that to your resume is you got to play Hugh Hammer, who ends up becoming not a main character, but 
Well, an important character later on. These are some of the characters that they're going to introduce. I think Henry Cavill looks so much better as a Stark, as a Baratheon, than he does a Targaryen. Oh, he pulls off the white hair. Punch. I think Henry Cavill pulls off a Baratheon or a Stark much better than he does someone with like, like you said, with the fan cast him as him as uh, him as Aegon the Conqueror. I think he looks fine in The Witcher, but I mean, the I think the Robert Baratheon fan art is so much better with the beard and the stag uh, helm. It just I think he just looks better in those in, in that role, more natural too. Like you said, I don't think it's a big enough role for him. I don't like Especially that. Now that I don't like that comment at all for an actor. What that is? He's too big for a role. I don't like that. But if you're a show and you want to pay, if you're paying Henry Cavill, oh, you, you no wanna... actors these days ain't making money like that. I don't think Cavill's commanding that much. I don't think it would He's come down to money. a lot more than. Oh, so you're saying as a show doesn't make cast. sense to get a guy not that big of a role bringing Henry Cavill? Is that what you're trying to say? If you're gonna pay for Henry Cavill, I think you put him in a okay. bigger position. Uh, this question here from Vic: What was Rhaenyra's biggest mistake? Sleeping with Harwin or sleeping with Kristen? Ooh. I, I mean, mean, just that, it's got to be Harwin. Yeah, yeah Harwin. no, she made a lifelong enemy with Kristen, which is kind of hilarious. She hey, lost it, might th- be, it might be with Kristen. I think she lost the throne because of Harwin. <laughs> right, that's the thing. If she would have just not have done that and had managed to have a kid with Lenor, even though they said they tried and they couldn't, but Kristen doesn't have as many avenues to get back at her, right? No, besides being petty, no. I think, you can't, and that's the thing. You can't put that on Rhaenyra the way he reacted. You know, with Harwin, it's, you know, this is clearly something you did for years and years and kept doing it and kept doing it. And you knew the consequences of it. With Kristen, it was, she thought that he was cool. Her biggest mistake is not anything that she did. It's things that she didn't do. And that's not realizing that Otto Hightower, no matter what her children look like, what, if they were legitimate or anything, um, was going to try to put Aegon on the throne. Right, that's the other thing. Where everyone's talking about Rhaenyra's mistakes. Well, let's talk about what other people were doing. Rhaenyra's <laughs> mistake is not killing Allison. Right, yeah, no, the, yeah. Or Otto. Before <laughs> giving birth. Or leaving before, leaving a day after she went to the King's Landing, after not being there for like seven years. She could have stayed for the death, and then this wouldn't have happened. Uh, this question here from Mr. Jackson underscore Karwaski. Do you feel like they neglected Kristen Cole's character in the back half of the season? I think he, I don't know, what's the biggest moment? Like, I guess Kingmaker, right? Even though he kind of does share that. Um, I mean, he got a big part of the episode nine, which is the Greens finale. And he was pretty prominent in it. I think he could have had more prominence if he did play the role of uh, whispering into Aegon's ear a little bit more, but I don't know. I think he had a big role in Nine. Yeah, no, he did. He definitely just kind of stood around after yeah. the time jump until Episode Nine, where he's actually given a task. We had the fight with Harwin. I think that what you could have answered a criticism like this by giving him two or three more scenes of him with Aegon, him pushing Aegon to take the throne. That could have been more interesting, and it adds a different wrinkle to his character. Yeah, maybe a scene with Alicent too, just kind of establish what their relationship is like. Because the last time we saw him, he was trying to kill himself, and then the scene ended with Allison seeing him, and then the next time we see him, they're like best friends in the, in the, uh, in her like, red oh, no, don't kill yourself, you're too sexy. Yeah, yeah you're too hot to kill yourself. <laughs> That's a criticism I would have of this season, is that some moments I wish they would have addressed more, or some things that we got to, maybe we got to see actually play out, like you said. How did they become so close? Or like Aaron said, a scene or two between them to establish how close they actually are. It's just the, you know, the love that you have for me, get this done. And he's like, yes, sir. All right, we'll take a few more and then we'll wrap it up. This question here from James Pohl. Favorite moment from the first season? And it says, not including Viserys sitting on the Iron Throne in episode eight. That's Ooh, tough. That is my favorite moment. I, know. <laughs> I think for a lot of people it is. So I guess that makes sense. Hmm. But that, that was the best moment. 
If not that, it's tough. Tough to say. You know what? Then I'll go fucking Vagar eating Luke. That was fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. The way it looks, the way the Vagar's flying through the air, it's a big, big fucking monster. It's so scary, so disturbing. It's like... <laughs> When I first saw the John F. Kennedy assassination on YouTube, I kept like rewinding it, like, "Yo, this person just died right on in TV. front of me." That this is the Zabruder film of yeah. Westeros. It's just he's there and then he's not. It's I, such a contrast between life and death. Yeah, it's fuck, man. Um, <laughs> it's brutal, man. I feel like a lot of the action scenes didn't take me out of my seat like I thought they were gonna in this season. So I'm trying to think of the politicking scenes that I really really liked I think episode like just one was like episode two when Viserys and Damon were talking after he bashes him when he says did you say it that's a great scene you know I think Viserys is so good when in that. Damon's like I'll save you from yourself and, and Otto like even, even little the... moments I like when Damon gives Rhaenyra the news of the, like the last shot we see I think is actually kind of one that stuck with me I like the beginning of episode nine when they're kind of scattering a little and kind of trying to figure out what to do now and yeah. you get all that information um yeah the way you felt their like their rushness and their anxiety i think when uh both coronations were done excellent uh, very well i think aegon's coronation and rhaenyra's were very well done even when uh young rhaenyra gets uh, gets named the heir i think visually that was very uh i think that was like just a great moment for that character and seeing all the lords and a couple of the shots with her with the throne in the background are really well, uh, well done. But then like... Driftmark when Allison pulls out the knife. That's a great moment. And the yeah. setup too. The That's probably... I think that was... Yeah, that was Sapochenik. But Sapochenik actually. Um, <laughs> the way that he was able to hold... The way that he was able to construct that scene where he had so many different characters with so many different things to do and to say, and he never loses the audience's attention. It's always yeah. interesting. And then it culminates in Allison losing her mind and trying to take out this poor kid. <laughs> she snaps because, like Olivia Cook recently said, she felt like she was being gaslit. Mm -hmm. So I think the way that builds, that builds, that builds. And Patty Considine's great in that scene as well. Oh, he's when he's good. trying to hold everything together. So that's a... Very good moment. Or even Otto on the bridge when he's talking about the Conqueror's Crown. Oh, you know what's a good one? Uh, episode one? two. When she comes when, in. When she comes in and gets the egg back from I was, Damon. I was thinking about that too. I think too. so mm. many people love yeah. that moment. And just her showing up on the back of the dragon, confident, walks down, hands, hands behind her back like a fucking boss. Yeah. She she's pulled up to... twice. She pulled up on that bridge twice as a boss. Yeah. Like as a kid, she came up there demanding shit, and she came down again. Just getting between too. Otto and uh, Damon both yeah. times. She's got a very kingly stance. She's got you know, a gangster lean to her. We're missing a pretty big one, too, right now. Vayman getting clipped. I was going to mention that, but that kind of, I guess it's part of the throne room scene. But yeah, that's a good one. He can keep his tongue. That's like five scenes now with, with Damon. <laughs> if only he had more to do. <laughs> you just named You're three like, of them in five seconds. I know. <laughs> They were all my scenes, too. <laughs> uh, in a small moment, I think, in episode four, the conversation that Damon and... <laughs> Ren I'm being so serious. I'm know, being so to... serious. But it is funny. Uh, the conversation they have in the very beginning of the episode when they first reunite, you get so much from those characters and how they feel about their situations. It's, there were so many scenes like that throughout the season that were so well acted, so well written, but the development there, well, the insight, the characterization, all of that was just great, and that scene represents that. I that's think. his best episode, I think. When, when are you talking about when he takes Rhaenyra to uh, Flea Bottom? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's easily his best, I think, 
in my my opinion, his best episode. That's a great episode, man. That one really stuck out to me. I would say the standouts were episode four, episode eight. Episode one was fantastic. So was episode two. I don't think there was a bad one. No. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think... I, I definitely don't think you can say there's a bad one. There's really nothing watching bad episode, about this show. Watching episode by episode, you can you can see it towards the middle. It gets like they're building towards something. So let's just watch and wait. And then like as a whole... It all meshes together as as a great season. Yeah, I think the two things that hold them back. Benef- Go ahead. Do you think that benefits maybe some of the pacing in like a weird way that it was split? That like the first five episodes obviously are leading towards something and build a momentum, and then you kind of re- instead of continuing that momentum though you reset, but you still know they're building towards something else. So maybe like the momentum in episodes two and three gaining a little bit more steam than it would in a typical linear ten episode season. Because you kind of have a, a semi-finale in the middle of the season. It's one of those yes and no, yeah. where it can both be true, where it helps it and it also hurts it. Because those first five wrap up so nicely, and it feels, like you said, like an actual season. And then you do have to start it over again. And it, it hurts them, it suffers a bit. But, like, the first scene with Rhaenyra puts you right in her shoes, she's giving, she's another childbirth scene... <laughs> So there's no time to think of, do they look like Millie? Do they resemble the previous iteration of this character? Because that's what it it ends up being, a new iteration. The characters have changed. So it hurts it, and it also helps it. But I think another thing that does hurt the show a little bit, like I said, nothing about this show is bad or egregious or not up in arms over it but i think they try and hammer home the point of the patriarchy is what's making rainier and allison they're suffering because of the patriarchy and you love they're victims of it (laughs) which i don't mind and i think it was very the way they set that up in the first five episodes was very strong but now it's just show the result of that rather than circling back to those themes and i think a lot of uh women of the women fans of the show have made this point that they want to see some power-hungry women in this world. That's what Cersei was. Yeah. And Cersei, you can make the same argument. She was a victim of being a pawn of the men in this world. But eventually she said, okay, this is if this is how the game is played, I'm going to play it better than all the men. And I wish that there was some of that with, like, Alicent being caught off guard with them planning to crown Aegon. There's no way she misses that. Yeah, no, She's it's too almost, smart to miss that. I feel like when you try to, like what you said, you can get into the territory of almost like a damsel, and that's that's right. that's like I contradicting. Have no control, your, I can't do anything. Contradicting the point you're trying to make with what you're with the story you're telling. So um, it it circles around yeah. to almost becoming. They want it to be a feminist show, and then it becomes a little bit almost anti-feminist <laughs> in yeah, a way. Yeah, and it's not a super big issue that I've no, had no, with it. I, but know, I know what you're saying, yeah. Because George is, I mean, especially for the time, to write that many strong characters who are women. Not unprecedented, but it was something that a lot of fantasy series weren't doing. So that's where a lot of people always credit George, that he wrote great characters that were both men and women. Yeah. And that they shared a lot of similar qualities, even though it's it's clearly a society that is a patriarchy that is everyone suffers under women the most. But... You have a character like Daenerys where she says, I'm, I'm going to carve my own path here. I'm going to be the master of my own fate. And I think that was missing a little bit with Alicent and Rhaenyra to try and keep it gray and try and keep the audience guessing of who they should support. And sometimes it's just like, yo, you got to make somebody a hero. You got to make somebody a villain and let them fight. Yeah. Sometimes well, you got to let these characters be Godzilla and well, King Kong. That was a great part about Cersei was that she was that character i think early on 
maybe you can argue that people hated her because of like maybe she is a woman and she's doing all these things like who does she think she is but i think as like the season progress you realize like i think most people like change their attitude towards her like no this is fucking we kind of dig her going scorched earth the right. same way you would a maybe a male villain that you know but prototypically like those characters are the ones people attach themselves to like the anti-heroes um when you see that portrayed in women sometimes it's not received as well but Cersei kind of broke through that and I think that's fucking awesome for, I just saw a review yeah. of Tar where they were like oh I wish this movie was about a woman who's suffering from all the men in her life and everybody's like no no yeah. it's good because she's a complicated character she's a yeah. human being Men and women can both be complicated. They can have their strengths and their weaknesses and their positive traits and their flaws. Once again, it's the idea with James Cameron where every woman character needs to be a warrior. Mm -hmm. And he didn't like Wonder Woman because they made her a bit too feminist. No, sometimes you can wear a dress and kick somebody's ass. I think that sometimes people try and box women into these corners of what they can and cannot be in order to portray a feminist character or a feminist story. And sometimes you don't need those restraints. If the story is calling for it, sure. But if not, this story, it's based on a story where Allison, she wants that throne. Give me that throne. Rainey's wouldn't have said that to book Allison. You're just fighting for a window of freedom. So you better be fighting for your life in a second. Yeah. You know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you throw these hands. Yeah. A little bit more of an asshole. Well, but. it's like Cersei well, saying that like she'll have Marjorie like strangled more. in her sleep. Right. Because yeah. I, like, wish, I wish Allison would have just said she's doing all this for herself. Not, I mean, yeah, Rain just hits it on the head. And I think Marjorie's she's a perfect sneaky. example of a character who is beautiful, feminine, wears beautiful dresses, speaks softly, but man, she will get down and dirty just l- like with anybody else in that show. I think of the like with the villain, like especially like I guess the fear is to reinforce uh, so, like stereotypes, but like. If it's done poorly, sure, but like, have confidence in the way you can write a fucking character. Make it a little complex. All right, this last question here from Lady underscore Gray. What are you most hype about for season two? Um, and we had another question here from Cody Garcia. What dragon would you bond to? I would hope Caraxes because he's my favorite. You guys have a favorite dragon of this season? I love. I don't know Damon's dragon's name. Caraxes. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Long neck, badass dude. <laughs> I feel like sea smoke gets left on like. I just, the color he had a good episode cool. yeah he came through with the fire I can't wait to see and I know he's not a water dragon but like just cause of the like <laughs> family he was attached to and the house like makes me think he might be like he can swim we get the most scenes with Caraxes so yeah. it's easy for him to be the favorite no Car- I mean obviously Vagar but I think that's just too much <laughs> that's too much dragon for you I can't handle all that dragon <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that power I can't wait to see Rhaenyra in the game, not being blindsided anymore by all this snake shit. Yeah, we really, Cyrix, like, kind of, when's the last time we saw her? The finale, when she meets him on the bridge. Oh, yeah, fuck, yeah, obviously. And then there's some shots but of her that, like, at the at Driftmark, when they have the ensemble right, of all the dragons yeah. just hanging out and chilling. But Caraxes is a star. He gets the most screen time. That's like a... Maylee's and a I think too. Got what? a face for Hollywood. <laughs> What they did so well is giving the dragons different designs. We talked about this. The Caraxes looks more like a, a dragon you'd see in Asian mythology. Uh, and Sea Smoke kind of has the coloring of a water dragon. Maylee's yeah, is a different design. Then we saw Dreamfire more resembles Daenerys' dragons. Vagar's got the big turkey <laughs> neck. Just old. Yeah, just <laughs> the wrinkles. What about the, what about the pink dread? 
pink dragon. You can bond with him. <laughs> That's an Ashes dragon. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Jesus. Well, you should have finished. Um, what am I most hype about for season two? I mean, we said that the best parts of season one were all the dramatic moments and the politicking. I'm excited for some fucking battles, yeah, man. Because some of these battles from the book. I don't know if we're getting into battles yet. Even the battles, there's two. some fucked up shit that happens. I guess it's a long war. I'm waiting to see just two three. years. Okay. The reaction to it and just how they how they do it. Is there some gruesome battles coming up? Yo, like, that's what it is, man. Shit's is <laughs> And I hope they don't scale it back. No, because you can't. Bro. No, yeah. We saw some na- dang scaling back, bro. We saw some nasty shit in the season. No, dang th- scaling back. There's one that's going to make you go pretty worse than the challenge. I think so. Oh. Well, there's that's the thing. Not only it definitely gets gruesome. The way that the, this war has a psychological effect on some of these characters. It's what's going to fuck with some minds out there. The littler moments, seeing Winterfell again, I think I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the reaction when Aemon comes home. The real reaction. I mean, obviously we saw Rhaenyra's reaction, but like in her quiet moments, how it affects her. Um, I can't wait to see Allison's reaction. Well, see, they, you did what? <laughs> they took away that line that Rhaenyra gives about, it's not tell my half-brother I'm... Oh, no. X uh, not what your country can... <laughs> well, it's it's sort of a spoiler, so I won't even say it, but uh, I hope they don't take away some of the like the motivations that these characters have in this. And I hope they don't skip over the reaction to Amon. I hope it's not like uh, Amon's been back for a few days and Otto says to Allison, man, he really fucked us. And Allison's like, yeah, I know. What should we do now? I want to uh, see them. He comes home. real time home. coming home. Right. He's, yeah, he's he home comes home day. and he says, uh, uh, I killed Luke. And they're like... What? Yeah, you weren't there. Because I think that would be such a funny way to start season two. Even when Jace finds out, I guess he's going to be a little delayed. Right. I want to see all that reaction. What is it, my lord? Um. Well, (laughs) remember your brother? Looks like you're going to have to find another. It's not that he's dead. He's just not living anymore. (laughs) He didn't suffer though. <laughs> Meanwhile, he got eaten alive. He's being digested. <laughs> Just acid, stomach acid, burning him to death. I want to see that. She's got to... <laughs> what is it, Lord Stark? Well, I'm going to have to name another Lord to Driftmark. <laughs> All right, guys, that does it for this podcast, our House of the Dragon season one recap. We will be back. I think we're going to continue this because we had so many great questions. So we can just go for probably another hour or so with fan questions. So this will be the part one and we will come back for part two. And there's going to be a time jump. We'll all be (laughs) 10 years older. We're all going to be in our 40s. (laughs) I'm going to be in a cane. At 40? I need one now. I'm 29. I can use a cane. I can't wait till I can rock a cane. 30 in two months, right? Less than two months. That's tough. All right, guys. We'll see you uh, probably in a few days. So be on the lookout for that. Like, share, subscribe, put on your notifications, and see you later. Peace. That's tomorrow, right? Wow, that was probably our best review yet. Hey, guys. Aaron the Nerd Soup Monkey here with a brief shameless plug before we end the video. 
Do you ever feel like you don't have an adequate amount of nerd soup in your life? Like you're going to bed hungry and yearning for the nonsensical yet entertaining nutrients our podcasts provide? Well, we've come up with the perfect solution. The Nerd Soup Fan Question Podcast, exclusively available to our Patreon supporters. You can sign up now by visiting patreon.com slash nerdsoup, and for the price of only $1 per month, you'll receive exclusive access to our weekly podcast, where we answer your questions that don't make it to the main show. And while you're there, you can check out the other rewards we offer to our patrons, like stick Stickers, mugs, t-shirts, behind-the-scenes footage, and appearing in the credits at the end of our videos. And that's exactly what we're gonna do right now. Roll the names of the nerds who make nerd soup possible. The reason why the crypto crash didn't send our lives spiraling down a black hole of no return. Alright, I'll stop talking so you can listen to this jazzy-ass music while checking if Bo spelt your name wrong in the credits.